On October 16th, Northwestern's African American Studies Department released an open letter to the university titled, A Statement on Anti-Racism and Reconstruction in a Predominantly White University. This letter followed the start of daily protests from the student group NU Community Not Cops, whose goal is to abolish the university's police department. I interviewed the chair of the African American Studies Department, Dr. Mary Patillo, about this letter, President Shapiro's response to student protests, and what an abolitionist future may look like. I would just love to know like, what was the catalyst for that first letter? Did someone specifically in the department bring the idea up, or was it a collective realization of we need to do something? Bit of a long time coming, so we've ha been having discussions since obviously the uh, murder of George Floyd and any protests in response. And we started those discussions so in the beginning of summer. I would say it was it's full buy-in from the whole department that we wanted to make a statement. Much credit goes to Professor Sherwin Bryant and Professor Barner Hesse, who um, were very instrumental in doing a lot of the writing. Uh, but we all read it. We all uh, gave comments. Uh, and so we really went through a deliberative process to get to something that we all really felt strongly about. And a common thread throughout the letter is how President Shapiro has failed to carry out many statements regarding the university's commitment to anti-racism efforts that he made this summer. Do you mind elaborating on some of those failed promises and commitments? Yes, Shapiro has made statements that did not come to fruition in the timeline that he said they would. And what's equally important is to put that into a history of over 50 years of similar kinds of statements and promises. For example, one of the things that they mentioned was um, a real effort to uh, diversify the faculty. Um, and we've not seen what that will look like. Many other universities have done big, coordinated, targeted hires. So you might think about hiring five to ten faculty members across a number of schools or departments. There are clear models for how to boldly increase not just black faculty, but faculty of color. And we haven't seen any such uh plans for how that will be done. Something else the letter brings up is just how satisfaction among black students has really gone down. A recent poll they did in 2018 revealed it had gone from 91 to 67 percent. Have you seen that at all as your role as a professor and as a mentor to black students on campus? Yeah, no, I, I've definitely seen it. It has caused me personal pain. It makes me so sad to see so many of my black students so unhappy. Before I went on sabbatical last year, I was for, for two years, I had done uh, something called Dinner with Black Women, which just was dinner with black women undergraduates because I wanted to just do something to create a space that um, was very uh, non-threatening. And the end of the letter features a list of urgent demands and similar to the lines of the work that a new community, not COPS, is currently doing, it makes a demand for the disinvestment of all contracts with the Evanston and Chicago 
campus police departments and reinvesting in community safety schemes by January 2021. In your opinion, what makes the disinvestment of those contracts so dire right now? And how would you imagine the reinvestment of that money being used? So, you know, this is not a new issue. Um, I think we have a platform now to make clear how anti-Black policing can be. And I think a broader embrace of the idea that reform is completely insufficient. So I don't think it's particularly dire. I think it's a moment that we should um, embrace and capitalize to, to move this agenda forward. Um, and in terms of what ways to reinvest money, I mean, there, it's probably endless. And I think we can connect, for example, one of the other urgent demands, which is um, staff at the CAPS. CAPS is extremely important, not just for black students, but for all students on campus. And in addition to that, making sure that CAPS staff are prepared to work with students of color who are now, and black students in particular, who are experiencing the trauma of disproportionate ravages of coronavirus and and the incessant images of police brutality on our screens, but there are countless other ways. All of the demands will require resources. So the increasing black faculty, supporting low-income and first-generation students, all of those things require resources. We don't know if the resources from divesting from campus police will help because we don't have, we don't know how much their budget is, but it will go some way, that's for sure. So the university administration never publicly acknowledged the letter that the AFAM department sent out. Did you receive any type of contact with um, President Shapiro or anyone from the administration after you published the letter? Yes, they have the letter. We are meeting this Friday, uh, Provost Haggerty and uh, Dean Randolph and myself. Um, to begin to talk about the contents of the letter. And I think, you know, our main priority is to remind them of our frustration of failed uh, action in the past. We don't want another task force. We don't want another study. We don't want another um, investigation or consideration or polling of what people want. So now is the time to act. I have to ask. On Monday, President Shapiro sent out a letter in response to the protests that occurred Saturday night and used some very strong language that hasn't really ever been present in any of his emails, referred to the actions of the protesters as an abomination and a disgrace, and stated that he has no intention in abolishing the police. And then the African American Studies Department sent an email in response. And I'm curious, what was your initial reaction to reading his letter? Similar to how you've just characterized it. I was, uh, like you said, it was stronger than other, the tone was much stronger than the tone in other emails. And, um, you know, I I would say my reaction was, wow. (laughs) Uh, And then the rest of my reaction, I think, is well captured in the response that we sent Protest is often uncivil, (laughs) Um, and all students of history know that. What I find ironic is this has brought the attention that the protesters want, which is important. Eyes are on us, and that's important. And would you like to see more faculty outside of the AFAM department 
call out President Shapiro if necessary and defend the actions of the student protests and activists? So we have gotten incredible support. I just, uh, I think we have 400 signatories to our initial, again, the much more, the much longer developed, more elaborated um, set of history and demands. Since we've responded to uh, President Shapiro's email, we've had many colleagues across the university email us, and I, my guess is there will be some um, expressions of support for our response to President Shapiro's email. In general, in terms of your question, do I wish more people would call out Shapiro? My goal is really not about Shapiro. <laughs> it is about the structure of the institution. Now, of course, President Shapiro is the president of the institution, and so we need to work with him to develop a structure that is uh, that uh, eradicates anti-blackness and moves in an anti-racist, gener generally in an anti-racist direction. But for me, a battle with Shapiro as a person is not uh, what this is about at all. Neither is it, that's not what the student protests are about, nor is it what the African-American studies work is about. Common criticism of a new community, not cops, hasn't really been what they're protesting, but the manner in which they're protesting through the blocking of intersections or spray painting the arch. What would be your response to those critics? Somebody has said this, but I found it quite uh, relevant and, and powerful that, you know, now Northwestern celebrates the 1968 Versars takeover and, you know, includes it as part of our history and you know, has paid for commemorations and for, to bring alumni back and so on and so forth. And that was uncivil as well. It was a building takeover. Uh, and at the time, it was extremely, you know, I'm sure the administration thought it was about an abomination. <laughs> um, so my response is that protest is not civil. Uh, protest is meant to push, to be outside of the boundaries. I'll just applaud the courage of the NU community, not cops, because um, it, it is difficult and terrifying work. My last question is abolition is starting to be more talked about among members of the general public, but there still seems to be a pretty strong opposition to it, especially from those in power. So my question is, what does a future rooted in abolition look like to you? That's a great question. We still have a quite a long ways to go uh, to get the full buy-in, and I think we, the, having the conversation is incredibly necessary. It's really that reinvestment that I'm most excited about. In the 80s and 90s, when there, when we were at the height of uh, kind of a discussion about urban crime, for example, there would be all kinds of campaigns to put a thousand more police officers on the street of whatever city. And I have always said in, in, you know, when I've given lectures or talks, we need a thousand more social workers. We need a thousand more teachers. We need a thousand more, you know, mental health workers. So my post-abolition uh, vision is really about this growth in the care professions. Since this interview, the Asian American Studies and Anthropology Departments have both released statements in support of the African American Studies Department, and NU Community Not Cops continues to protest daily. Thank you for listening. I'm Melissa Perry, WNUR News.